Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Blank Canvas Show. I go by Cash Flow, uh, episode number two. Like I said, each and every week, we're going to bring you two episodes, Tuesday and Saturday. Um, before we get into who we have on the show and, and what we're going to talk about this week, we got to get some administrative things out the way. Make sure you go to the Blank Canvas Show, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you rate it. Make sure you save it. Make sure you follow us for all things music coming up in the near future. That's what I need you guys to go do. We'll be talking to producers. We'll be talking to artists. We'll be talking to engineers. We'll be talking about things that go behind the scenes like marketing and, and all that different type of stuff. We want to add some value out here while we share stories, while I swap story with other fellow artists, other fellow producers. So we want to get into that type of thing. If that's your type of show, then you at the right place. And again, if you listen to it for the first time or the 210th time, because you're a former listener of Don't Sleep on the Couch podcast, that's the former name of this podcast, and you in the right place. So we got an excellent show ahead. Like I said, we got Black Chidori. We have Bardo. They just dropped At Your Neck. Uh, we're going to be talking about some trends that we we hope to change as artists in 2024. Recent, more recently, Spotify came out, and you know indie artists are going to be fucked as a result of all these changes. So we're going to talk about some of the things that we all are going to try to do here in 2024 to kind of just... Get get the art back to where it needs to be and how it needs to be appreciated so that myself, Black, Bardo, could continue to do this music thing and, and feed our families by doing it because I know we all love it. you know. So without further ado, I welcome to the show for the third, fourth time at this point, Black Chidori, and for the first time, Bardo. Welcome to the show, fellas. What's going on? What's going on? Thank you for having me. Yeah, we okay. good. We good, man. How y'all feeling? I'm feeling great, feeling great. It's a pleasure to be here again. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's like home for me, you know. So for sure, for sure. Bardo, what's going on with you, man? Excited, man. Like I said, I appreciate you uh, allowing me to come on this platform. Very, very grateful for this experience. The reception for the album's been amazing. Um, just the last few months have just been a bit of a whirlwind, you know, dropping two projects and now having this interview. It's just very, very exciting stuff. Very exciting time. Dope, dope. So, uh, you know, as I go into all these interviews, uh, you know, before we begin, y'all just briefly, you know, introduce yourselves, where you're from, how long you've been doing music, you know, all that 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 type of thing so that, you know, people kind of get to know who you guys are. I'll let Bardo go first. Sure. Um, so I'm a producer from Calgary, Canada. Um, I've been producing now for eight, nine years. So I started in 2014. I started while I was in university produced the whole time, just beats for myself um, while I completed my degree. And then right when I graduated, I wanted to start branding myself. So I started off making instrumental tapes. I did four of them across uh, 2020 to 2021, started networking with new artists and stuff and really trying to build my brand and kind of build a base up from there. Um, was really grateful, you know, to meet Black, Patty, Know-It-All, really developed some amazing relationships and some really good chemistry with them. Um, and now I'm, I'm really happy to say, like, these guys are like my brothers. Like, the music that we've created and that we are in the process of creating is, is super amazing stuff. Super excited with it again. Like, I hate to keep using that word, but that's, that's really the reality of it. Um, but yeah, like I said, just producing for almost a decade now and stuff, but really... Uh, getting my foot in the game this last year. Like, honestly, like I've been producing for almost 10 years, but I'm like a rookie, you know, like one, one year really in the music game. I respect it. I, I respect it. Yeah, I respect it. Black? You know, uh, you already know, you know what I'm saying, Black story, this bitch, you know what I'm saying, you know, coming out of uh, 757 of uh, Virginia, 
you know, in the Virginia scene, you know, at first, like when I first really started putting my foot out there, you know, because I've been making music since 13 years old. You know, I've been making music since 13 years old. Started out like with like, you know, like little SoundCloud shit and whatnot. I first dropped onto uh, digital streaming platforms at the age of, I want to say, 16, 17 years old. And, you know, at that point in time, I was under the impression that you had to have some sort of like record deal or something in order to even get your music on streaming services like that. I didn't know you could really just do it yourself, like just straight from a phone, signing on to some distribution company, paying $10, $30, then boom, they put it out for you. So when I first started that, it wasn't like I was even as familiar with the business side of things, how the, the mechanics of the game, the politics of it, you know, and all those other nuances, let alone that there was so many other artists out here. Now, from 2020 going on 2023, that's about three years really, you know, doing this shit for real, for real. I really want to take about a year off and really say two for real, for real, that I've actually been doing this, you know what I'm saying? I've met some amazing artists. You got Know It All, Patty, JR, you know, even industry level um, artists and producers that I've got the network with, you know, and it's just amazing to see even the Virginia scene expanding the way that expanding. Because at first I thought I was really the only motherfucker out here just doing what I'm doing let alone that young until i met niggas like unruly you got niggas like dress scott that's out here you know there's uh, another artist named king havana who's trying to make a name for himself as well you know so there's a lot more a lot more that's out here you know what i'm saying it's much more to see it's much more lively now you know yeah for sure for sure let's um let's stay right there with with that man um where you was talking about streaming services as you know kind of I was talking about earlier in the intro. What do you think about some of the the changes uh, to Spotify? And before before you give your answer, I wanted to read off kind of just like some of the key things from it, so people kind of know what we're talking about. That's not hip to it. That may just be an average fan or or listener that's not into the making money of it and how unfair. Uh, Spotify has always been in streaming services in general, but you got to do what you got to do to get your music out there. So. Um, I'll read it verbatim, right? So Spotify will reportedly change how artists are paid starting in 2024. New threshold of a minimum annual streams that a track must reach before it generates royalties. So if you're an independent artist and you don't have a machine behind you, that's an uphill battle. Uh, Penalties for labels when fraudulent activity is detected. So we already know about that, the bots, and we'll kind of get into that as a lot of that spilled onto Twitter this, this week as everybody was celebrating and stuff like that. So we'll get into that later. And then last but not least, uh, minimum play length on non-music noise tracks, such as white noise before they generate royalties. So uh, fellas, for 2024 uh, or hell, just moving forward in general, um, how do you guys plan to combat, you know, the streaming services and just the, the lack of payout when, you know, we all spend a lot of time doing this music and putting a lot of money into it. Want to go first, Black? Yeah, whoever whoever wants to go first. So I put it like this: you know, Spotify. I find it kind of 
it, it's kind of expected, you know, when it comes to these things. I mean, you take a platform that was already known for only paying fractions of pennies off of streams, you know? So granted, what is it that an artist is really losing from this Spotify shit? when it's not like there was money in here anyway. I mean, any real artist, like, you know, because if you're really about this shit and you understand the business side of things, you're already going to understand the the significance of brand equity. And the brand equity is going to extend beyond just the art in you as an artist because there wasn't money in this shit anyway. Do you want to make money off of music? Go start a fucking label. For real, for real, go start a label, you know? That's really where the money is at as far as music. Because as an artist, you really are only going to be making music off of merchandising, commissions, and then shows or tours and whatnot, you know? So it's not entirely like, you know, us as artists are really losing much because we were only in fractions of pennies anyway, you know? Um, I do question the stipulations, though, because they're under the guise of like, oh, yeah, um in order for us to really count it, you got to be an active um, distributor. But they don't even really explain or articulate what do they mean by active. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is really active? You understand what I'm saying? Are you then saying that you have to continuously, you know, keep pushing something so you meet their algorithmic uh, rubric? Because if that's the case, then it's more of an uphill battle because now, number one, the game is already oversaturated as it is. So now this might make other niggas inclined to, you know, continue to push the narrative of quantity over quality, you know. And now motherfuckers might not be taking their time with, you know, uh, making projects or whatever it is that they're distributing to these services and just so that way they can meet whatever these new guidelines are, which I feel like is completely redundant and counterproductive to both that streaming service and the artist in its entirety, you know? But I'll leave it at that. Word, word. Just to kind of build off that a little bit too, like, I, I, I definitely agree with a lot of what Black said. Um, we weren't really getting much from streaming services before. And I, I still think that like streaming services, despite the new changes, the stipulations and the low pay, like it's still a great platform to get your music to new people. And you convert those streaming listeners into real buyers, you know? And I also think that at the end of the day, platforms like Spotify, like Apple Music, they really do introduce you to a new audience. They get you to new countries around the world much faster, much easier than if you were putting music out 20 years ago. So for me, the changes, they don't, they don't really have like a huge negative effect. You know, I still, I still think that like as an artist, the majority of the money is going to be made off of exactly what Black said, touring, merchandise, um, and turning fans into super fans. And I think that how you create that super fan is through platforms like Spotify. And I do think that some of these changes, it actually is good for weeding out some of these, these artists, you know, I obviously need to look into the, the stipulations a bit more, but when I, when I hear like active profiles, I interpret that as some of these kind of these random profiles, you'll see that I have five monthly listeners and like two songs on a platform, like things like that. Those, those channels, like, I don't think we really need them because that I, 
if you're a real artist, like you're good, no matter what, even if you're putting out only one album and you're, you're like, you'll still have more monthly listeners. You know what I mean? Like you'll still have more music out. You'll still have more of a platform. So you can kind of tell an active artist versus a non-active one uh, to, to give like a quick example. When we just dropped at your neck, we had unruly on there. And at first they actually matched it to the wrong unruly profile. And if you go and look at that other unruly profile that they matched it to, it's exactly that five monthly listeners, three songs or something like that. Like it's clearly an inactive, like a, a joke type profile. So I think weeding out and getting rid of like those fake kind of artists you know then there is no room for that kind of that confusion that happened you know what i mean like you put the song out and it's going to go to the right unruly page and now we don't have these these clearly inactive pages you know so i do i don't know it's it's a, it's a weird thing where like i feel like a lot of indie artists they they kind of see these things and it's a fear mindset and they start to fear and think that it's going to affect us negatively but i think you know at the end of the day if you you do your thing, you stay true to yourself and you build your niche fan base. At the end of the day, whatever the streaming services are doing really won't affect you because the majority of your revenue isn't coming in from there anyways. It's coming in from Bandcamp. It's coming in from direct websites. Um, if you do have the privilege of having a label and having other artists or being able to do a tour, like those are the things indie artists need to be putting their time and their focus in and understanding the payouts that come from that rather than putting their energy into to Spotify. That's just my personal opinion on that, though. So, yeah, man. I mean, as for me, man, I've always uh, felt like the independent artists got the lower end of the stick, you know what I mean, for streaming services in general. Um, before I got into music or before I made music, I would always buy the albums, but I didn't literally know how much an artist was getting paid. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you buy it off of Apple, even with Apple, like... And then when how you get paid quarterly statements and stuff like that, like for the average independent artist, that's not enough. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I got to the point to where I was kind of thinking like, yo, let me use Bandcamp. But even Bandcamp, as great as it is, and it gives you way more of a percentage and you get paid a lot more quicker. You know what I mean? Probably within 24 hours of the money being in your account, if that, uh, depending on how much you get paid from there, they, they pay you, but they still take something uh, from you. You know what I mean? So I think the only way to really combat that is really to go back to the, the early days, man, on some masterpiece shit, selling it out your trunk uh, type thing. Like you got to do the hand to hands. People still love physicals. I didn't know that prior to uh, getting back in to the music that people were such affectionados for just a CD or a T-shirt, something basic, a hat, you know, whatever you doing associated with, with the project. So I think that that's probably more so what I'm looking to do in 2024 and beyond like i'll still put it on streaming services but i won't put all my eggs in that basket necessarily it's for like what you said bardo just awareness ease i know i know my people who fuck with me that do music don't necessarily fuck with everything i do but they fuck with it holistically so they're gonna buy merch they're gonna do they're gonna do those type of things but you got to make it easy for them the same way streaming services makes it easy for them so it's like a necessary evil but you got to like your website. I know, you know, who goes to people's website that much, you know, anymore. But if you train them, like um, who does that well? I would I'll probably say RJ Payne right now does that well to where his shit will be on his website for weeks, a month. And before he even releases it, when he releases it, it's cool because he made whatever he felt was his threshold to make for that project. And then he released it for streaming so that the masses could have it so that he could bring 
more people. So that's that's my mission statement for 2024 is to bring people into my world. And if they rock with it, great. If they don't, cool. I'm gonna still put it out on streaming because I gotta grow as an artist. So what do y'all think about some of those things? I, I completely agree with everything you said. Another kind of aspect that I always think about too is that like everybody's in different kind of positions, you know, and a lot of indie artists and a lot of our fan bases too, not everyone has um, the money to go out and, and buy a $20 project every time we drop, you know, and a lot of indie artists, they drop three, four times in a year. So now you do that, that's 60, 80, $100 you're spending on music. And for some people, they really do have the way like, can I afford this, this 20, $30 on this album? Or do I got to spend it on food for the week or for my kids, you know? And that's why I think streaming services, while I 100% agree the pay is, is, is despicable, you know, we shouldn't be getting these fractions. But at the end of the day, if through a platform like Spotify or even somewhere like YouTube, you know what I mean? If someone who may not have the money to buy my album, they can still listen to my music and enjoy it. For me as an artist, like that's the, the most important thing. And that's why I make music. You know what I mean? Is to touch people, to brighten people's lives, to kind of give something to people because that's what music does for me. And that is why I do think that platforms like Spotify, you know, I'm grateful to have these things in a way because, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit older than black. And I do remember a time where, you know, I would go to the store and buy CDs and buy that kind of stuff. And that's how you got music. But if you didn't have money, like you couldn't really access, it, you know, unless you were illegally downloading off LimeWire or Napster and that kind of stuff. So I do think that, like, again, streaming services does get you to a certain target markets and demographics that you might not have been able to get to uh, before or in the past. And again, it's just about finding that balance, you know, and like you said, training your audience. I think some artists that do that and have done that really well, um, RJ Payne, Olive Griselda, you know, West Side Gun, Alchemist. It's another guy that really, really has that fan base, that, that super fan base that I was talking about, that every time he does a vinyl drop or a merch drop, sold out within 10, 15 minutes, but then he's still doing his streaming numbers, you know? And I think for me, at least that's the type of artist that I want to be. I want to have my super fan base that they'll buy my stuff. They can't wait to buy and have that physical stuff in their hand. But then I got the other fan base that is just happy to put my music in their playlists and, and listen to it on the way to work or in the gym. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel that. And I, I'm, I'm with you, man. I wanted to, to stream the services to be the, the secondary thing to where I, you know, I'll I'll give people I'll get people to get on whatever cash flow train whenever they come on on a board, but not necessarily I'll be the only thing, you know what I mean? Because exactly, I just think exactly. I, yeah, I just think that we gotta uh, you know all all find creative ways of doing it, whether it's doing live shows and stuff like that. I think um, you getting on tour to do a live show if you got the means to 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 do it bring your merch with you man like it's as simple as slapping a damn your album cover on the front of a t-shirt man sometimes like if 100%. you put it on a hell of a performance you know 20 30 you know 50 was 50 times 20 i'm i'm terrible at public math but if they buy 50 t-shirts from you that's a thousand dollars roughly right you know what i mean if i'm doing the math right so there you go you know what I mean? You just made a thousand dollars off your album cover right there. If you are able to do a local show, and you ain't even got to leave your state. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's the type of time I'm on, and I know plenty of people on that that type of time. But those are just some of the things I'm trying to do to like to be like, all right, you know, Spotify. Even not even relying on that check, not even relying on how unfair it is, but definitely utilizing it for for what it's worth, man. So Black, what are, what are you planning on? Uh, anything that you plan on doing? Uh, 
differently um, in that aspect? You know, as 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 I spoke on before, I got you um, earlier, but you know, it's 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 really about because I feel like as an artist, you have to understand that you have to become in you are and essentially will be because you playing a game that this is about supply and demand. You understand what I'm saying? And so, you know, you got to understand that it doesn't matter what the product is. You're, you're essentially a hustler, you know, um, at your core or by nature or by the definition, you're a hustler because now you're operating upon a system that is dictated by supply and demand. So it's all about, number one, creating a demand in the areas where there wasn't and then finding the demand in the areas where there is. And then it's, of course, about sustaining and maintaining the supply. You understand what I'm saying? But when it comes to that aspect, we're now talking about equity, essentially brand equity at that, because you might be known for your music, but if you're more known for your music, how are you then able to get other ventures off at the same time? You know, let's take an artist like, um, let's see, what, what's what's a good example? The West Side Gun is a great example because he got on as an artist, but people know him for his curations. People know him for putting on art basils and Wrestling. shit like that. Wrestling, his other ventures as well, to where he's now able to sell his brand and the artwork. He's able to sell the artwork and the brand. And if you get to a point to where you establish enough brand equity and enough of a niche to where your niche, your core fan base is there with you since the music, now your music is essentially selling itself because while you're selling yourself and selling your brand out there, then you're now the music is going to come with it because that's now increasing the value of the music that's coming with it not a lot of artists really understand the business or are looking at it in that way because you got a lot of motherfuckers they they found the hobby during covid right and so what they did is they just got on the computer or got on their phones signed up for distro kid and they think they could just drop like that and they good they could just work with their friends and they good they could just post a little linky link here and there and they good that's not the fucking case you understand what i'm saying like if you really want to start you know doing what you need to do to increase um the value of your art and your and your brand start looking into grants you understand what I'm saying? Whatever state you're in, whatever country you're in, start looking at grants that can help put money and funnel cash into this shit. That way you can use that so you can start going on tours and shit like that. I remember when we had our single drop, I believe by the time Spreewell had came out as a single, what I did was I hit up mad radio shows um, and things of that nature but then what i did was i went and i booked myself to perform at a music hall in downtown richmond that way then what i did was by the time our singles had came out i'm not only promoting our singles by by uh performing them but i'm even promoting the album by performing other songs on the album so now i'm giving niggas a sneak peek as well so by providing bonus content and different things of that nature 
it, it, it gets people more interested. So I'm performing in downtown Richmond for the first time. Never been in that area before. All those people who don't know me are now sitting there like, yo, who, who's this nigga Black Chidori? Who's, you know what I'm saying? Who, who's, who's, who's this nigga Black Chidori right here? What's this music right here? But then they're looking at me. I remember before, as I was walking up the stage, there was a group of women that was sitting, they were sitting in a section. It was like a club section. They were sitting in a section and one woman, she put her drink down and pointed and was like, I knew it. I knew he was an artist because of what I was wearing. So what I've started getting into was um, more fashion ventures and whatnot, because, you know, I have my own website. You know, you could check it out. It's called theblackprint.com. It's a Teespring joint. You know, you could buy merchandise off of there. But what I've started doing was I've started, you know, getting into making one of one pieces like for example this hat here you Same. know right here this hat, <laughs> yep. that hat here you know and then i got a varsity jacket that i um just created not too long ago and on the varsity jacket it's got you know custom logos custom prints and things like that to where now i'm selling both the art and the brand you understand what i'm saying so where that chick she pointed me out because she's looking at my attire. She's looking at my gear. She's looking at my hat, looking at the varsity jacket. She's looking at the big ass bathing ape black Chidori logo on my back and whatnot. You know, and I posted pictures of this before, you know what I'm saying? So people can see that if they want to see that on um, my Twitter at the black Chidori or on Instagram uh, at God MC black Chidori, you know, to where she was able to recognize, okay, yeah, they called up Black Chidori. I seen that name all over his gear and how the nigga look. He just looked like a rapper. He just sticks out from his appearance. So you're definitely right about, you know, being able to sell the art and being able to sell the brand, especially with merchandise, because people are very interested in that. I've had mad people come and hit me up like, yo, are you selling them hats? Yo, you selling them varsity jackets? And I was like, nah, these one-on-one -on -one pieces. But, you know, uh, seeing as how, you know, if, if there, there, there's a demand that's being garnered, then of course that will make me feel inclined to then start pushing at least something similar. I'm gonna keep them as one of one pieces, but I'm gonna give you the masses something similar that they can then be able to buy into and whatnot. Shit, even um, merchandise as far as like physical presses and whatnot. Like I was talking with Bardo um, just earlier today, there's been mad people coming and hitting me up. Like I'm talking foreign people, like people in uh, Europe and shit like that hitting me like, yo, are you putting these on vinyls? You have to put these on vinyls. Let me get one. Da 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 da. You know, and granted, we're not we're 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 gonna get to that stage, but it's great to see that there's that demand there. Right. You know, and right. about supply and demand. It doesn't matter what the product is. It's all about supply and demand. Facts, facts. Um, yeah, I was thinking the same thing with with um getting to that stage, but the people have to want it. You know what I mean? Like you got to kind of read the tea leaves and see who who wants it. And, you know, I did my, my recon in just my immediate circle. They don't necessarily do physical music, but that don't mean other people don't. You know what I mean? Um, this art piece right here, you know what I mean? That's from my first album. Somebody asked right. me, could they buy the, the art piece? You know what I mean? I, I, this is just a one-on-one. So I didn't know at the time, like, what, what it would be. And I'm not even, you know, I'm probably three projects, four projects 
in between EPs and LPs, but you know, it just now got to me, yo, make your own logo, get your own stuff, put your own hats, you know, invest in yourself a little bit. And if people starting to see you look like something, like you mentioned black in terms of just, if you looked the part, they want to support. And if it's something practical, you don't even have to overthink it, man. You just got to do your research, see where you can get hats for cheap, for the low, go to lids or go to somebody local. You know what I mean? You pay what you want that first time. But after that, you live. It's like $14 a hat, a, a logo. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, you, you mean to tell me you can't do five of those and take that to the show, sell out? If you, you know, start slow and then and build build from there. Like you said, those one on one pieces, that's something that you want to rock or whatever. But you may just take off the back logo and just give it the B right here, you know, on the Letterman. And they may rock with that. Right. And go from there. So I want to stay with just this this whole conversation with brand awareness and just and, and artistry and stuff like that and who you guys kind of want to be in the year years to come. Um, but before I do that, man, if this type of conversation that y'all listeners out there like and enjoy, uh, make sure you go subscribe again, like, share, subscribe to this uh, on YouTube. If you're out there in YouTube land, uh, go follow all three of us. Uh, mine is at cashflow underscore 83 or at underscore BK show that's on all social medias when you're talking about the uh, the show and me in general for my music production and anything else um, that I'm doing. So you make sure you go follow me on that. Black, Bardo, where, where can they follow you guys before we get into the next topic? You can follow me at the Black Chidori on Twitter, at GodMC, uh, Black Chidori on Instagram. You know, Black Chidori, the YouTube page, you know, for any visuals and music videos of that nature. And, you know, Black Chidori on all platforms. Sure. Yeah. For me, same Bardo underscore 100 on Twitter, Bardo 100 on Instagram, Bardo 100 on YouTube. You can find me on all platforms under the same name as well. Cool, cool, cool. So, so this next topic, man, is something I've always kind of me and my my homies have this conversation in the background of who would you rather be um, as an artist, like long term, right? So, I'm gonna give you artist A, artist B, and y'all just let me know. You know, I thought this be a fun topic to have. So, artist A, right? They have about one to two classics in their arsenal, stamped. Nobody, nobody denies it. Um, they have about a three to four year dominant run. Let's think Murder, Inc. back in the day. Or let's think Rockefeller, maybe Rough Riders, Master P. They have a, you know, a little incremental run like that. However, you know, they've experienced the, they had that run, but it was a steep decline, fall off. You know, they tried to come back. This artist, you're the artist that tries to come back, but it doesn't not necessarily pop for you. So that's artist A, right? Or would you rather be Artist B, no real consensus classic. You have very dope albums, but you made a career out of being in the rap space and making solid bodies of work. Your peers respect you, but you never really dominated the scene. You just kind of kept afloat. So in in your in your career specifically, or just in general, you know, what who would you guys want to be? What kind of run would you want to have? I'd like to see Bartle's perspective, him being a unique type of artist compared to myself. You know? Okay. For me, I'm definitely going with artist B. Um, I believe in consistency uh, a lot more than that. I mean, I'm not going to mention any artists by names on the other side of on the on the other side of things. But if we look at 
know, consistency. I look at someone like Common, for example. Some would argue that he's got some classics in there like Water for Chocolate, B, but I wouldn't, I think in the overall scheme of hip hop, I don't think there's a consensus classic for Common. But if you look at Common's career, he's been so consistent throughout it that that consistency is now carried out into other ventures. He's been in acting, you know, he's done, um, you know, TV shows. He's done so many different kind of things where he isn't just about hip hop anymore. People recognize Common just by looking at him, even if you never listen to his music. Whereas I, on the flip side, I look at certain artists that maybe were that flash in the pan that had that, um, that classic, you know, sometimes people let it get to their head and that maybe contributes to the downfall. I don't know, you know, but I just think that kind of having that consistent body of work and a consistent kind of lineage of music to show for it in the long run of things, um, I, I think it actually leads to better opportunities. You might not have a classic, but your life might be more fruitful. You know, you might actually have more fans by not having that classic album. And at, and at the end of the day, the critical reception is nice. But like I said, really, if you want to make music your career, you got to rely on the consistency, right? And putting out solid bodies of work and stuff and not being too focused about what people think, you know? So that's kind of the way I look at it. I'm, I'm artist B. Um, another guy I want to give a shout out to, he's a huge artist, so he doesn't need a shout out, but that he gives me a lot of influence is Alchemist. I think Alchemist is a great example of that. Like he has been so consistent for two decades now, three decades. Um, and he's arguably doing the best he's ever done, you know, catering to his niche fan base with his individual projects. And then he, he's also working with people like Anderson Pack, Beyonce, like he's all these other artists, Eminem, like big people, but then he's got albums out with, you know, Mike G, Boldy James, like, that's kind of the person that I look up to and the type of artist that I want to be is somewhere that's, I'm in all genres. I'm everywhere. And consistent hard work is, is what I believe in. For sure. Black, what about you? To, to, to kind of piggyback off that, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm definitely in alignment with that, you know, because while it would be good, um, it'd it, be it great if, you know, you had your period of time that you dominated in. And, of course, over time, and even till this day, that's still going to be talked about, but it's going to be talked about in a nostalgic way. You know, they're going to be talking about what you used to be. And they're going to be like, yo, you remember that time when this nigga was hot? Or you remember this? You remember that time where that nigga was that nigga? But it's like, now that nigga's not that nigga no more. Versus you have a person like Artist B, you know. I'm, I'm, I, and, 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 you know, Bardo really touched on, you know, a lot of those points so greatly that there's not much I can add to that. But I'm, I'm going to put it in this type of perspective, right? You have an artist like that. If you take the climate that we're in currently, where, you know, more people are now on a very independent wave, you have this very, um, you, you have a lot of niche subgenres of this underground shit that's really popping to where an artist like Artist B can now have that opportunity to get a resurgence and become Artist A without having to have that decline. A great example is that is you have people like Rock Marciano in his resurgence. You have Griselda in their resurgence. You have Ransom in his resurgence. You understand what I'm saying? People like that to where they, they've had that consistency of in, in, in had established themselves already as niche artists to where they might not have the mass appeal 
like you know other bigger names and whatnot but they're still to this day talked about and you look at them now they really are the ones that's at the top of the leaderboard of this shit right now the rock marcy's the ransoms the griselda's and shit like that you know what i'm saying yeah yeah and um you know as as much as you know i would like to say artist b you know what i mean i just think so much can come out of artist a too you know what i mean uh just because uh, I would say probably somebody like like DMX, you know what I mean, would be the example to where like he's he killed he killed for that that timeline, but like that that he lived forever in terms of and this is before he passed. Like even even though he put out some support music, you know, after that two album run, like that run was undeniable. Uh, you know, you'll you'll take Fifty Cent like his his run. Or albeit, like when you really look back at it, it was kind of short. You know what I mean? Because it was the mixtapes where he was on fire, and then you had me. You said had the one classic album, and then the second album was a dope follow up, and then after that, it was kind of like you know he kind of tailored off, not necessarily dropping duds, but you know. So I I personally um, think that a lot of the artists A's and, and I'm mentioning like the fifties and the, and snoops and people like that. Like you could still sustain the, the career and branch off to do different things. You know, when we were like talking about the brand awareness thing. So, you know, I'd rather hit my lick <laughs> quick, you know what I'm saying? And have that dominant run and then just kind of get off into other ventures because I, I truly think that, uh, unless you, you really, really want to be doing it for a long period of time on the on the front end of it, as far as just being the the rapper and the person. Then having like a strong run in the beginning and then tailoring off and doing other things might be more suited for you because a lot of dudes, um, I, I could tell you right now, and, and I'll I'll probably name a few because one comes to mind. Um, he just dropped a dope album like last year and then dropped something trying to keep up with the times this year. And that's Busta Rhymes, right? And I was I was just highly disappointed in that. You know what I'm saying? But my thing about that is like he has, he probably falls more so in artist B in, in, in this example because he has a lot of consistency. I'm not sure if Busta has a classic, in my opinion. Like a overall consensus, I think he just has a lot of strong. I put albums. the comment. I put the comment there, but that's fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you could you could. I I will probably. I can't think of the album off the top of my head, but I think uh, one of my favorite from him is when disaster strikes. But oh yeah. Um, but my my point is is like you know you have that type of thing going on later in their careers to where it's like man, it's not even not even worth it. I'd rather just get five years of you being the hottest guy. That way I can always go back to that nostalgia that Black said. And I can always remember him <laughs> at this height, him or her at this height. But I don't, I don't, sometimes as um, artists progress and get a little bit older, they fall off. There's not a whole lot of Nas six album runs happening nowadays with, with the guys that continue to rap. So give me the quick hitter, flash in the pan, your dominant artist, and then after that, go well, on one thing do I do want to, I want to kind of say though to build on your point because it's interesting to hear that perspective. I do, I think though some of the artists you name where the difference is like I'll use Fifty Cent and Cameron as example. The yeah. reason why those guys, in my opinion, though were successful after that is because of their business mind. 
they have a different mind than a lot of artists where they were able to expand outside of music. I actually think it's unfortunate. If you look at the majority of artists that have a classic, they don't have that same success after, you know, I'm going to pick on one guy in particular. I'm a massive Wu-Tang fan. So I mean, no disrespect when I say this, but I'm going to bring up Jizza. Liquid Swords is an undeniable classic in hip hop. I don't think there's anyone that's going to dispute that or argue that with me from the production to his rhymes, to the features, to the the album cover, every aspect Mm. of the music videos. Freestyling off of those beats. Just exactly to this day. I have no issues admitting I used to copy the structure of Riz's beats from that album when I first started making my beats. I wanted to make Liquid Swords so badly. But unfortunately, I don't think that Riz or Jizza, you know, after that album had the same level of success as the other artists in either business or in music, you know. And that is the unfortunate kind of thing that I do see a lot of artists fall under. And that's more so where my reasoning for Artist B came from is that, you know, is that is that fear of that, you know, you put out one classic that's just so good that you never put out music that's like that again, it never lives up to that. And then unfortunately, like you just kind of tailor out. And and if you don't have that business mindset to expand into, you know, movies or fashion or vitamin water, whatever it may be, then it is a little bit tougher, you know. But I also do think too, one thing I want to point out is I think the landscape's very different today, you know. It was much harder back in 95, even 2005, being able to sustain this kind of indie fan base and this niche fan base. You know, in 2023, to touch on what we talked about earlier, you can tap in a a fan base and almost make more money off of like a smaller handful of people today just by selling them vinyl and hoodies and CDs than you could 20 years ago having having the label deal, you know. So it, it is a bit of a different landscape, but if we just look at it for what the question is, yeah, I'm still going with B, but yeah, it's it's interesting to hear all these different perspectives and things to think about, you know, because it's it's a really multifaceted question, I think. Yeah, it's benefits to both. Don't don't get me wrong. Like two of my favorite rappers who one has classic mixtapes, one maybe have a classic album as a group member. Uh, I'll say in particular are Jada Kiss and Fabulous. Like those 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 are two of my my favorite guys. Um, and they, they'd be in my personal top 10 if I had to give a list, right? But I know Fab doesn't have a classic album, but he has classic songs. He has a classic mixtape, oh, yeah. um, uh, soul, uh, soul tapes. If you, whichever one you want to pick, I'd probably say one of the first two. Um, but people will say that for the most part um, that listen to that tape. And then Kiss, like, he's, he's, ama- he's an amazing lyricist, but he doesn't necessarily have a classic album. But he stood the test of time, you know what I'm saying? And him again, you know, right now he's selling coffee with his pops. You see what I'm saying? Like he probably yeah. has a lot of other um, juice bars with Styles P, partnering with, with Styles P. So he has a lot of different thing, things going on. And this is long before he made those things public, you know what I mean? So, um, but those are examples to where like they're super consistent. They've experienced like being amongst the big dogs on those songs, but not necessarily having a classic so like they're probably like you know b plus <laughs> you know what i mean when you talk about the 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 artists you're talking about so yeah like i said man it's interesting and i just want to throw a monkey wrench in, in there and uh and t- choose uh artist a because again i got like i said man i like you said with the um artists having good business acumen i'm i'm probably one of those that way if i hit a lick i would know what to do with it after that, you know what I mean? Um, and you that run in a, in a productive way, man. So, um, good, good convo, good convo fellas, man. Um, but 
let's let's get into why we're here. Um, at your neck, um, there, there's been a long run, man, that you've had. Uh, Black, this is probably like the longest I've seen you you take off in terms of a full length album uh, since we've met. You know, a couple years ago, um, as I just kind of caught on to your music, man. So, uh, before we begin, I like to for people to have some buy in with the album. You know what I mean? Well, what's on here? So. You know, y'all, y'all tell me what y'all want me to play, man, and uh, we'll rock out to a verse of that. I'd recommend the song "Pimpin" because that really summarizes what the fuck we doing to the game. Ah, uh, okay, "Pimpin." That's track number twelve off of "At Your Neck." So before we get into it, y'all listen up. So you know, I was mostly into that titty shaking, man. You know what I'm saying? You know, ass wiggling. You know. So I took the best to the concrete, you know. So I tripped me out because, you know what I'm saying, pimps was getting at them hoes, you know what I'm saying, you know, stomping down on them hoes. And I'm like, well, hold on, man. I don't understand this part of the game, man. This shit's supposed to be about choice. I'm finna fuck the game. I'm finna fuck the game. I'm finna fuck the game. Life is a bitch in commas, one but trust the game is mine like a cheap word I could pull up to a McDonald's and make an order fries No supersize, it's bust skeet in the eyes, just swallow my kids meal It's real still, my nine to five rides, no shit for the kids meal The bad babies catch my side, get left in a doctor feel I'm a star lord or this ego for me to quill Them beast to kill, you better be for real The wretched think might be for real I'm really real, that bitch comes right out the box, it's a ready meal My life a movie, an empty clips for them acting extras When fire drew ice on a Saturday night on the last September Packing extra both arms used at once, I ain't impedextrous. We talking lyric schemes, delivery, then you should mention me. I don't mess with all styles on the avatar. In- that is Pimp Pen. That's Pimp Pen off of At Your Neck, uh, Bardo and Black Chidori, man. So talk, let's talk about it, man. Let's talk about it, man. So what was the, um, what did you do different this time around, man, before we get into like the, the nuances of the album? Um, uh, you know, with, with with this album was what I did differently, you know, with, with this album, because I've, I've done few collabs. Um, I'm not going to count what I'm working on currently. I'm going to take from the time period that me and Bartle started this album, because we actually started this album like around the time that I had just dropped White Melody's A-side. You know what I'm saying? Like B-side wasn't completed. I think I had maybe one song done for it thus far, whatever, whatever, you know. And that around that time that I started, the only collabs I had under my belt was um, Black Numbs Entertainment, um, Black Blood and Tears with Me, Patty, and Blood Blicks, and the joint with Ayo Shamir, Journey in the Mystery Schools, you know. Uh, so with this collab here, this was really the first album collab that I did a full collaborative work one producer, which is not something I've done before. Cause me, myself, I like to provide a sonic palette. I like to be versatile. I like to dip in and out of, you know, different waves and shit like that, you know, um, with this album here, I kind of really just let our chemistry translate and reflect on the project as a whole. Uh, I remember when we were working on it, there was no just, at first there was no cut and clear like theme or concept to it we was just you know kind of like i like let's build you know we having conversations every day and shit like that and then you know we're 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 we're, we're, we're 
we're playing beats and showing beats and shit like that. And then just I'm letting the music talk to me and tell me I what direction should I go? How should I approach it? You know, and at the times that I was recording those and writing those, it's not even like I myself was thinking of anything directly. You know, um, both him and myself had many different influences. And I'm sure he could tell you uh, the nuances of that. But we both had many different influences over that course and period of time of since we started it and then to the time that we had um, finished uh, the first uh, the first version of the recordings and whatnot, you know, we had many different influences to where by the time that we had all the songs and we was like, all right, let's listen to all, all that we got. It just happened that we had an album that just, you know, it, 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 it was able to provide not only a sonic palette, but even a palette as far as the writing goes, where it's not fully just braggadocio it's not just me barring you up the whole album we got very conscious shit we got very heartfelt uh introspective shit very retrospective shit you know all sorts of shit to where it just that's it was pure alchemy for real for real it was just pure alchemy to where you know um the chemistry you know the 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 energetic bonds um the energy from my influences all just translated to get the result that you hear today and it was just amazing to see how it came out it just naturally came out that way and we didn't even technically it's not like we intended for it to come out that way that's just where it led us you know what i'm saying yeah yeah bardo what, what do you think from your perspective uh how did you know, this thing come about for you and, and from on the production side, what was your, your goal going into like doing a full length with black? So with this, I mean, it was, a, it was a, it was a weird experience, but like in a, in a good way. So I guess like the best way I can do is I really got to compare this with hand painted realities. The album I did with know it all because both of them were made at the same time, but the difference between, I guess, both of them was that, uh, like I said earlier, I've been making beats for 10 years now. So some of the beats on this album I had, I had made a few years ago and I'm a very, very stubborn person in the sense that I'm a very big fan of hip hop and without sounding too cocky or arrogant, like I know that I knew that these beats were good beats and I wasn't willing to just give these beats to any artist and just to put music out. I would rather hold on to my instrumentals and never release them. If I couldn't find the right artist for them, if that makes sense. Yeah, you on your snob so, shit. I feel you. I feel you. I love. I love it. So, yeah, I love it. Yeah. So, so like, like I said, like I've had some of these beats for a really long time, and when it came to Black, when I met him, like we just kind of hit it off so well. And when I started playing him these beats, and I was playing him the old beats versus the new beats, these older beats, he was not only gravitating towards, but he was killing them. And for me, it almost felt like fate. I was like, finally, like I finally found that artist that was meant to be on these beats. And it was just like this, again, this grateful feeling where it just kind of came together in a weird way where this stuff I had already done, like it finally had a place and a home. Whereas then the stuff with know-it-all, that was all made in real time. That was all made for him. I would send him a few beats and after seeing what he was gravitating towards and what he was finding pockets on, I would then start making new beats specifically in the moment then for him 
So for me, that's why I say it's a weird experience, right? Because some of the, the most of the production on here I've been attached to for a very long time, but having Black on these tracks now and some of the other artists has almost breathed new life into them, and it just gives them a whole new life and a whole new perspective that I didn't have before. Um, so I was, that's why I kind of say like it's a it was a weird way to go into this, but I, again, I couldn't be happier. And like he said, it is alchemy because. These, these beats, just the way they came together and the way he flowed on them, the words he was saying, the pockets he found, it just really, really happy with how it came together. Yeah. And you know, one one thing that uh, I appreciate about this project, and this is probably something that uh, it came up a long time ago. So um, when, shit, when Black first came on here, I hit Black up on the side and I was like, yo, Black, I love what you're doing, man. Because he was like recording off his... Uh, his iPhone, we lost black for a second. All right. So he was recording off his iPhone, doing everything, you know, so I thought that was highly unique. And then I remember I made a comment. I was like, I don't know if you remember black. I was like, yo, if you could get that engineer. Oh yeah. Okay. So we, so that's why I wanted to bring it up um, because it's come full, it came full circle on this one. And, uh, and it's a good thing. Right. So I was like, yo, the engineering though, man, I know it's there. To touch on that. Go ahead. I was going to say, well, to touch on that, that's a great point too. That's actually part of the reason why the album took so long was because uh, we actually did like, we redid the album a couple times after we got new equipment because that was very important to us. So getting the new equipment and then finding the right engineer, we actually went through four different people and we talked a lot about who's going to mix and master this because that was a conversation we had where this project needs we knew the music that we had, the, the quality of it, but the, the sound, the sonics of it, they need to match that quality. So that was an actual um, cognitive conversation that we had. So that's just hearing you mention that. That's why I don't mean interject, but I wanted to build on that because that was a decision that we we had and that we knew that we needed to have that kind of sound and that right engineer for this project. No, and, and, and full disclosure, I, I get it. And, and just to let you know, Black, how much of... Like I'm, I'm big on that because I think you need to be presented in the way that you should be, regardless of whether I love the music, hate the music. I think for anybody's music to have a real chance, and when you believe in it, you're going to do things like that. But when you're trying to get it out, and I've been young too before, I, at a certain point, I didn't give a fuck about engineering or none of that shit. I just wanted to get my music out there for people to see potential, and then down the line, we'll work out how to get me sounding, you know, great. But at the time when I was rapping years ago, that wasn't like big on my list. But as I've kind of gotten older, I know that people, you know, they'll only take you serious, but so much, you know what I'm saying? When everything isn't aligning, at least on the music, you know what I mean? Especially when that's your main thing. So that's, that's the conversation we had in the DM and I'm not sure how you took it at the time, but I, you know, I had to say it because I felt like, yo, you're dope. You know what I mean? And here's my two cents. You didn't ask me for it. But to get to the point of it, at your neck, I was laughing my ass off as soon as at your neck came off and, and you mentioned it. I was like, yeah, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah. Talk, no, talk, you know, talk crazy. I, I love, I love that shit. Like, cause you heard you know, it and you were teachable. Right. You listened. And you made some adjustments and got out of whatever you may have felt at the time, because I'm sure I wasn't the only one that said that. Like, what, what do you say to no, that? You weren't. You weren't. That was. I'm, I'm like, you know, the the kind of brush on that, right? Because, um, like I said, um, or like Bardo said too, this album 
this this album is damn near damn near like a year and a half, two years old almost type shit, you know. Uh we had started this like before I even put out White Melody's B side. It took so long because not only were we trying to be so meticulous about it, but you know, of course I had other projects that had dropped um before that as well. You know, I had uh you there was White Melody's B side, there was features I did, there was black osteology with me and scale, you know. Um and the thing about it was, you know, and, and it's crazy too because, you know, like even hand painted, you know what I'm saying, hand painted was started around that same time frame too, you know, um, and it was so crazy to see how hand painted turned out because I remember when hand painted realities was just a fucking conversation that Bardo and I would be having this shit because, you know, I was, I was like before Bardo really started working with other niggas within the circle me and him was already working by the time and you know me and him would have conversations about you know different curations for people like know it all people like patty and then to see him end up working with them it was so amazing to see and then to see how their album had turned out we was like i word that's how bardo likes to do his albums and it's like that's how it's gonna be like you know we're putting it out and how they push it we need to do the same shit if not better for our shit and we need to be very meticulous with it you know um that consensus it never it never like i never felt personally attacked by it because i perfectly understood it you know at that point in time as i said 2020 was when I first got on the uh, digital streaming platforms. I was 17 years old at that time, you know, and during that time, I, I remember I didn't even think you could do that shit yourself. You know what I'm saying? By the time Ragnarok came around, Ragnarok, my experience with making that EP Ragnarok was me really starting to understand the business. And I was working with, you know, the consultant uh, and great manager, Larry Tan, you know, Alan Iverson cousin, you know, in the Iversons, they got mad family down here in Virginia too. So it was kind of ironic uh, being able to work with him and shit like that. But he gave me mad game as far as the business side of things. And so I didn't really start getting too business savvy with the shit till about, you know, mid year of 2021 type shit, you know, by the time I had dropped White Melody's A-side, but I was still with white melodies a side the situation i was in all i really had was just my phone so i still had to work with what i had to work with people that would come to me and be like yeah like i feel you but it's just the engineering this the engineering that i feel like that's holding you back i never took it personally because i was like i can agree and i definitely understand it although it didn't bother me because i grew up listening to motherfuckers that was recording on eight tracks to where the music was sounding like that you know so it didn't bother me and i knew that there was still people that was fucking with it and i was like yo if there's this many people that still fuck with me because they think that lyrically and artistically i'm just that nice to where they can look past that shit then they deserve an album like this to where me and Bartle need to put our heads together, pause and be able to, you know, um, give niggas something that sonically matches the quality that we're giving them artistically. So let's take a, the, the song At Your Neck. At the time I wrote that, I was considering that. I already envisioned that type of execution. That's why I had that line in there where I was like, you know, um, I've been fired, but the mix won't. Maybe now you can hear it. Is that the problem? We talking engineering over lyrics. Sun is fire, but I ain't get the shine. So let me stop you. Let me stop you right there. Let's let them hear that. 
Let's let them hear that. Play, play this shit, play this shit. Fuck your top five, I'm the greatest rapper alive. When you break it down, I'm the root of it. It's hardly surprise. It all started with blacks. Fuck if it's fat, cause nigga, I'm making it. Them same niggas saying they ill for real only make me sick. You stupid bitch, you all right, waiting. I still drain my frequency great. You claim to make ways, but I ain't allow you. I've been humble and quiet as ever. Fucking now, you should fear it. I've been fired, but the mix won't. Maybe now you can hear it. Is that the problem? Engineering over lyrics, sun is fire, but I ain't get the shine, so you can't get near them. Niggas never fuck with you until someone say they should fuck with you. More scammers in my DMs, the friends were saying, What's up with you? You're really yeah, ain't complaining. Honestly, I'm just saying, the proof from this bitch. That is uh, at your neck. That's the uh, title track of the album. Single, so yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't want y'all to. Lead single, yeah. Yeah, I don't want y'all to, uh, if you haven't heard it yet and it's your first time, you know, being introduced to Black Shidori and Bardo, make sure if you want to hear the rest of that, go check out At Your Neck. Um, you know, you could buy it. We would, you know, we would all prefer that too as well, you know, as a keepsake. Yeah. Go ahead and uh, get that it's digital. On, it's uh, on Bandcamp currently. It's, your, it's on Bandcamp right now? Yeah, it's on Bandcamp currently. Okay. You could buy it yeah, there. Bandcamp as well. And just if you are listening, you don't know Bandcamp. Uh, I forget what the percentage is, uh, but I know the artist gets close to in about 85, 83%, something yeah. like that, um, of the uh, sales. So that's probably where you can help the artists benefit the most and continue to put out uh, quality projects like that. So make sure you go to uh, Black Chidori's Bandcamp and y'all can check that out there, man. So, um, you know, next question I got as I'm looking at the track list, and we we spoke on it a little bit beforehand, um, a lot of a lot of variation, a lot of beat switches. I'm I'm a sucker for that on here, and then, then a lot of like quick little uh, one-liners. Well, well, one line, not one-liners, but just like one verse out. You know what I mean? So, where you guys trying to approach it? Uh, just to kind of keep it in balance, like a person never know what they're about to get in each track as you sequenced it. What was like the the goal with that? Um, just the differences and how you guys weaved in and out of different pockets on the project. I would say that the the sequencing, what's interesting about it is we each had two ideas about what it was supposed to be originally. Like I had my own track list and he had his own track list. And then we got together and we spoke about it. And then we, the track list that came out was an amalgamation of the two as well. We thought it sounded the best. And for me, I, I can't speak on Black's behalf, but for me, I think, Part of the reason why the, the songs are like that, like what I was going for sonically with just the quick verses, the, some of the shorter songs is almost like a like a punk uh, punk album or a metal album. So like I listen to all genres, I listen to everything. And it kind of gave me that same vibe to certain albums from the 80s where they're quick, they're short, and they hit you in 30, 35 minutes. And I thought that that aspect and that kind of mindset, it fit both sonically as well as with the title, At Your Neck. That's really what this is. It's 30 minutes, it's short, it's sweet, and it's a lot of different sounds. And it has that kind of aggressive kind of that punk, almost just that kind of rebel feeling to it, if that makes sense. Um, so that was kind of for me with the shorter songs, the quick verses, the beat changes, the interludes at the end. That was where I was coming from with it was kind of that aspect. And then, you know, obviously being influenced by like Rock Marcy, Wu-Tang, uh, again, Alchemist, all that type of stuff. Yeah, I definitely could hear the influence now that you you talk about it, man. Um, so, you know, Black with uh, all these these different titles on here. What are what are some uh, the feedback that you're receiving from everybody in terms of what are what are people gravitating to off the project so far? 
But uh, well, well, first, uh, I want I want to briefly touch over, you know, um, the the prior question, you know, sure. with, with 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 songs like that, because you know how how Bardo and I curated it, you know, a lot of those beats was beats that he was just kind of um holding on to because he didn't feel like anyone was truly worthy of it till he met uh, myself, you know, and like I said, allowing our chemistry, our energy together, and, you know, allowing even the sonics and the nuances of the instrumentals I was hearing to kind of lead me where it was leading me. It's kind of ironic that, um, you know, he, he mentions, you know, punk influences because punk rock is, I'd say it's in my top three genres over hip hop, you know, because I love so many other genres and whatnot, you know, punk, I, I fucking love punk. You know what I'm saying? I love punk. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, we, we did have a lot of influences like Alchemist and Rock Marcy. Wu-Tang was a heavy influence, was a, a very heavy influence uh, between him and I when working on this album here. You know, um, even even when I was uh, doing my rollout for this album, I, I, I was mentioning that this album, to me, it's kind of like we made our own type of like only built for Cuban links, the type of experience that it provides, you know, it's, um, it's not too short, not too long. It's just right. And then each song hits in ways to where it's transitioning in areas it needs to transition to, as well as, you know, it's not dragging on anywhere. Having those shorter songs like that also provides a lot of great, replay value there were some songs that originally were shorter than others but you know bardo was like hey i think some of these should be extended kind of like tungsten needle or pimpin if you just add a second verse on here just so that way it's not so abrupt because we want to have some songs that short but we don't want to have the album too too abrupt you know we want to we, we want to hit a nice little length and mark pause you know what I'm saying? you know but as far as the reception is 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 beautiful you know i remember bardo and i um we we were we were we we were talking in during our think tank we had some projections about um which songs some people might gravitate to i remember bardo was saying uh he feels the more boom bappy ones are definitely going to hit uh, the fans the most, you know? And I was like, I for sure could see that. I for sure could see, you know, the more sing-songy joints, like uh, maybe Pimpin Pin or uh, even Words Cut Deep might really hit the fans for sure, you know? And thus far, both of us were correct uh, amongst, the, amongst the higher level connoisseurs and even artists themselves, they gravitated towards Pimpin. Because of the heavy lyricism as well as the song structure, um, the the fans they gravitated more towards Spreewell because it's it's you got three titans on the track going over a very solid, a very solid and consistent beat, very easy to follow along with. It's very digestible. It's basketball, which is a very yeah, it's a very dominant topic, you know. But then words cut deep. You know, um, that song being a very uh, nostalgic homage, you know, that one hit both the fans and the connoisseurs because they're looking at the song structure. In terms the of the hook. Yeah, the hook. Right, on that, exactly. On that one. Yeah, you know? so. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you know? and that, so. that's one thing that you've uh, been doing well, you know, ever since uh, the Ice Spice joint, 
you know, yeah, like that's, that's another bottle joint right there. That's yeah, so joint. you know, in terms of the yeah. hook, uh, you mentioned Patty. Uh, I talked to talked to him about uh, just you know the hook making bridge chorus. You know that that stuff is highly important, even if. Um, you know, I'm not sure if you classify your music as boom bat, but it has that uh, heavy feel of that. And then there's some drumless uh, in in here a little bit. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, with that, man, you still should have some hooks. You know what I mean? Because when you start to do these shows and you get on those stages, man, it's 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 a hard follow when it's just straight raps, straight raps all the way through. Um, get, you know, fans want to. Fans want to sing with you. Fans want to rock right. with they you. They want to move. They need, right. They want something that you know keeps them sonically in tune. You know. So being able to have songs like that, even the one verse offshoots and whatnot, those are great because let's say I am doing a set on stage. Those are joints I could throw in there in between the right. sing song joints. So right. I throw the one verse joints in between the sing song joints. That's just perfect. Because now they got joints where I'm not just barring them off and it's dragging along, and I got the sing song joints that they can sing along to, you know. So. Right, right, yeah. Um, like I said, man. The, the like I said, since Ice Spice and the hooks on here have been uh, are really good. Um, I listened to it for my first time uh, during the Thanksgiving weekend when I was riding to South Carolina. So I had a nice. I'm in VA as well. So I had a nice little drive to listen to it about two times on the way there, two times back. And I was like, yo, this is, y'all really did y'all thing. Like when you're done with it, you're right. It coming right back on isn't, nothing's wrong with that. Like you, you welcome right. it. You know what I mean? So, right. um, so I think you guys did a phenomenal job. Before I let you guys go, I want you to talk a little bit about some of the features and, um, you know, why did you choose these guys? Because I know you've worked with JR, Patty, a lot of times, uh, I'm unruly, of course, uh, so familiar with seeing his name and stuff like that. But uh, Raz Fresco, if I'm saying his name correctly, and, and Jay Hurd, I'm aware of Jay Hurd through greenery. So what made you choose yeah. this particular cast of characters to to um, help you out on this project? Well, uh, I, 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 I kind of want Bartle to also speak on this because some of those features um was curated by him uh some of them was curated by me there was originally like originally because you know we had so many different versions of this album because we worked on it for such a long time you know um there was some features that was going to be on there like uh rtc profit was one that was going to be on there uh sincerely yours was supposed to be on there we had another track that unruly was supposed to be on um you know different things of that nature um originally patty wasn't even on spree well it was just me and jr you know patty was kind of a, a more late addition but i'll let bardo talk about that because that was actually his idea for that but gillette i for sure that type of griselda vibe was what i got from you know that beat and i was just like yo unruly's cadence is just so perfect because unruly he kind of reminds me of rome streets a little bit um when he when he was first really starting his cadence it really reminded me of um of, of a rome so i was like yo a track like this it, it 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 would just it would just be perfect if we had a nigga like that on there you know and then he's a he's another young hungry artist and then you know um 
Jay Heard, I know him as Elefinity. You know, um, when 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 him and I was working together, this is around the times of the early stages of the cipher space and whatnot. When it was kind of at its peak, um, he was someone that I already wanted to work with, and he wanted to work with me. And so it just so happened, Bardo, he sent me that beat, and I was like, "Yo, this beat right here is so light, it's so beautiful, it just seems heartfelt." It seems conscientious. It to me, this doesn't seem like some shit to bar nigga up. This seems like some shit to get poetic with. And you know, Elefinity is someone who would like to pride themselves on, you know, having a very, you know, deep mind and pen. So I was like, yo, you would be perfect um to this. Like, and I just sent him the shit first. I didn't even write to it yet. I was like, yo, you do your thing. Let me see what you got, type shit. And he sent that back. And I followed along with it, and I was like, yo, this right here, yeah, this is definitely going to be one of those ones that stand out in comparison to the rest of the tracks on this album. Because the album, it goes very dark, very gritty, very grimy, you know, and then you got, you know, certain more lighthearted ones and shit like that, like a barbershop talk or a noose leaf, you know, or a pimpin' even, you know what I'm saying, shit like that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah for, so for some of the other features um like raz fresco another canadian artist i'm a big fan of him and i just thought with that track like i, I had been listening to him a lot at that time and that's kind of like how i work like i i listen to a lot of artists while i'm making the music that i make and then i kind of i kind of picture that person on it so with, with that beat i kind of just thought that he would flow on it perfectly uh reached out to him kind of wanted to build that canadian connection with him he's on the other side of the country from me and it just again worked out perfectly he blessed us with an amazing verse and with the Spreewell joint it's really interesting because that one actually started off it was actually it was just black and then i had suggested i was like well let's get a feature and he was the one who was like well it's what, what do you think about jr and what's funny about the jr feature is that um a, I was like, yes, I love JR. Let's get him on there. I think he'll do a good job. But I actually sent JR that beat not long before, but he, he, uh, <laughs> I was a little busy. Didn't, it didn't have a chance to work on it and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And then I got it to black and then he fit it perfectly. And then he suggested JR and it was almost like a weird puzzle piece that just kind of fit perfectly. And then once I heard that demo, that first demo with the two of them, I instantly thought of Triumph by Wu-Tang mm. and just that kind of, when I was listening to him, like this kind of gives me that vibe, this kind of um, posse vibe where you're just going, it's, there's no hook, there's no nothing. It's just the same repetitive, hard hitting track, hard hitting drums. And you guys are just spitting bars for verses and verses. And that's why I kind of came up with the idea. I was like, well, why don't we do another verse and let's get Patty on there and make this longer. Um, and then that's kind of how like the, the three headed monster came about on that song. And what's, what's dope about that song, in my opinion, is because it's structured like that, it's very open, both the beat and with what the references are, the lyrics and the themes, you could easily remix that song and put three more people on there and extend it to six minutes. You know what I mean? Have a five, six minute street remix, you know, a G mix right, that they used right, to call right. them back in the day. You know what I mean? And it, it, that's kind of the vibe I got from that song. So that was kind of how that one came together. And it was, Again, it was just like this weird um, synchronicity where he would suggest certain things that just fit. There would be like thoughts in my head that I couldn't articulate, and then he would be able to to give me those words and vice versa. And again, it just everything came together so fluently with 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 all aspects. All right, dope, 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 man. So again, fellas, I want to congratulate y'all on a, a very solid body of work, man. This is, this project is great from top to bottom. Um, yeah, there's nothing I can say about it. Uh, Bardo, you're nice at what you do. 
black, you're you're getting way better at what you do. You know what I mean? Um, I was uh, not surprised, but I, 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 all I can say is that, like, man, you you did is that you took you took constructive criticism, man. Like I said earlier, and and you really uh, got after it, and that's that's all I can ask for as a fan of hip hop, as a fan of you guys. So um, definitely oh, rock with y'all on this project as well, man. So. Um, any last words before we get out of here, um, you know, as far as where they can find you guys again, I want, you know, people to know that again. So, uh, you know, throw it at, throw it at the people in terms of where they can find your music and, and, um, you know, find you next. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at D a black with CK add the Q as well after CK after the Q Chidori and then God MC Black Chidori on Instagram Black Chidori on all platforms including YouTube uh, we're gonna have the music video um, coming out we're gonna have some other visuals coming out pretty soon you know um, you can expect more from this album as well we're not done with it yet you know we just kind of letting uh, the fans and listeners and supporters kind of sit with it you know a little more yeah, you know I'm saying uh, with this album, we really wanted to, you know, go hard and do it big, bulls. You know what I'm saying? So it, that that was very important, and you know, uh, I felt like us taking such a meticulous approach paid off so well, and I'm, I couldn't be more proud of the album. You know, at your neck, you know. Alright, Yeah, I took the words out of my mouth, said it perfectly. I'm super proud of this album. You can find me at Bardo underscore 100 on Twitter, uh, Bardo 100 on Instagram, Bardo 100 on all streaming platforms, Bandcamp. Um, and yeah, just I appreciate everyone that's been taking the time to listen, uh, tweet or Instagram, you know, their feedback on it, DM either one of us. The support really does mean everything. Like as an independent artist, just seeing people enjoy the music is, is huge. Um, and I want to thank you too for having me on this platform, having us on this platform. It really does mean a lot and it, it shines a light on what we're doing as well. Sure. No doubt, man. No doubt, man. Y'all welcome back anytime. Bardo, if you got something with somebody else, uh, more than welcome to hit me up, uh, and we can we can schedule a time or whatever you want to do. Black, same same as well, man. So if y'all need anything from me, pod wise or on the other side of things, feel free to holler, man. Uh, 